Hi, my name is Stephen Mansfield and this is your 15. Our topic for this 15 is, Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, before, and if you're a Christian, you pretty much know some general things about the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you're not a Christian, and you've just sort of surveyed the religions of the world, or just sort of lived in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, the phrases that are used in media and so on, uh, the Holy Spirit could be any number of things for you. In some religions, the Holy Spirit is an angel. Uh, in some religions, the Holy Spirit is a... Is an, is a power without any personality. Uh, in some religions, the, the Holy Spirit is like a genie. Uh, and, and, and in fact, in, obviously in some religions, people are actually using the word genie or genie. Um, but in Christianity, the Holy Spirit is not any uh, of those things. Not an angel, not a genie, uh, not some personality-less force like electricity. Uh, in Christianity, the Holy Spirit is God. Now, in Christianity, of course, we have a God who is one and three. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What often tends to happen, partially because of the, the influence of non-Christian religions, uh, and also because of just a diminishing of his role that comes through neglect, is that we tend to look at the Holy Spirit almost as the servant of the deity. Uh, go out, Holy Spirit, and perform miracles. Go out, Holy Spirit, and create the earth. Rather than seeing him as deity. Uh, but, but in Christian theology, in Orthodox Christian theology, uh, meaning Biblical Christian theology, the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, it's not an it. He's not uh, just electricity or, or a force. He's not just creative energy. Uh, he's not an angel. He's not a genie. He's not someone that uh, believers can summon with the right incantation or the right combination of scriptures. The Holy Spirit is God in spirit form. And I want to just say to you quickly, since I've mentioned the Trinity, uh, that the Trinity is always going to be a mystery. Uh, some folks get upset because they can't, can't quite understand it. I want you to realize that, that, uh, that understanding some things in the Bible, in fact, understanding some things in life, uh, for those of you maybe who know a little bit about computers, is like trying to do what a modern Macintosh would do with a Commodore 64 from decades ago. Uh, it, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. You're trying to do what a modern iPhone or Android will do uh, with one of the earliest cell phones. It, it, it's, ju it's just the capability is not there. There are things that are too high for me to understand. Uh, I'm, I'm not God. God's God. There are things I'll never understand. And I'll never fully understand the Trinity in this life. And I'm just relaxed about that. It's true. It's revealed. The Trinity is what the Trinity is, but, but I don't expect to ever understand it. Give me all the illustrations of clover leaves and you know, ice and steam and water and all of those illustrations people tend to use. The fact is, it's a mystery. So don't get nervous if you don't fully understand it. But, but having said that, we can, we can certainly affirm what is true and what is revealed. And the Holy Spirit is God, which means, by the way, that the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, I, I want to reference Acts 5, verses 3 through 5, makes it, makes it very clear that the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, when someone lies to the Holy Spirit, it is said they lied to God. Uh, this, this is an extremely important part of our theology. Uh, we, don't, we don't simply believe, as I've said, the Holy Spirit is just a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's God in spirit form. 
And one of the things that distinguishes the kind of Christianity that has really had impact on our world in recent decades, in fact, in the last hundred years, is a recognition that the Holy Spirit did not cease to operate at the end of the first century. Um, some, some Christians have believed that. Many Christians believe that the Holy Spirit was very, very active in the first century, and then once the Bible was written, that he wasn't as needed anymore. We had the Bible. We had Revelation. But I think we've come to understand that that's not true, that the Holy Spirit was about more than just revealing truth in the first century. He was about performing miracles. He was about changing people. He was about protecting people. He was about doing many things. And we certainly don't believe that we are without need for those things today. So I want to emphasize two things here as we sort of introduce who the Holy Spirit is. Number one, he's God. And number two, he's a person. He is a person. And we need to understand uh, what it means for the Holy Spirit to, to be a person. So let me just run, run through a few scriptures with you that make it clear biblically that the Holy Spirit is a person. Because we don't want to commit the error and possibly even the sin of, a, of, of believing that the Holy Spirit is some sort of, and I'm going to say this a little harshly to be insulting on purpose, like the great slot machine in the sky that we pray and the Holy Spirit you know, sort of shows up like a genie or, or spits out what we need like a slot machine. Instead, the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, and given some things Jesus said that we'll talk about in a few minutes, we really need to re-embrace our understanding of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Bible says a number of things that indicate that the Holy Spirit's a first person. First of all, Romans 8, 5 says that the Holy Spirit has desires. Uh, that when you live in the Spirit, you do what the Spirit desires. So, uh, this is, this is uh, indicative of the theology that, that we have indicating that the Holy Spirit's a person. He has desires. He has a will. This, this means that he's personal. He's not just an impersonal force. He has his own desires. Second of all, he has a voice. Uh, the Holy Spirit speaks. In Acts 13, 12, we're told that the Holy Spirit actually can speak. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean in an audible way, although I'm sure that's possible. Uh, but that particular reference is that the Holy Spirit spoke through his people, spoke through prophets. But the Bible repeatedly says the Holy Spirit spoke. So however it was that human beings heard it, the fact is the Holy Spirit has a voice. Um, the Holy Spirit also has a will. He not only has a desire, but he has what scholars call volition. He has a will. Uh, that's Acts 15, 28, also in Acts 16, uh, 6 through 7. The Holy Spirit has a will. And that's extremely important because if we're going to relate to the Holy Spirit in a spirit-empowered kind of Christianity, we're going to understand that he has a will that he wants to communicate by his voice and that is based on his desires to put all three of those together. Uh, and then it also in Ephesians 4 and verse 30, we're told that the Holy Spirit has feelings. Now, now, now don't, let's not don't, don't assume that this is feelings like our confused human feelings that tend to overlap and conflict with each other. But the Bible tells us in, in Ephesians 4.30 that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can feel things. He has what we might call Holy Spirit versions of emotions. Uh, and they're not just emotions. They are states of being when he's grieved, when he's angered, uh, etc. Uh, these, these things are true. So again, it's important as we relate to the Holy Spirit that we understand that, that these states of the Holy Spirit are, are things we have to relate to, and they make a big difference in our lives once we really begin to understand them. The reason that we need to understand uh, these aspects 
aspects of the Holy Spirit, that he's a person, that he has a will, that he has feelings or, or states, we might call them, uh, that he has a voice, uh, etc., that he has desires, is that the Bible speaks of a relationship that we can have with the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand that some of you who are watching this who have been Christians for a while may find that language almost a little bit offensive. It sounds like maybe we're putting the Holy Spirit in front of God or in front of Jesus. But uh, let's, let's be real clear about this. This is not just some extreme, uh, for those of you who will know these words, of the charismatic or Pentecostal movements in the church. Uh, Jesus himself said in John 14 and John 16, he, he had been with his disciples for many years. He finally sat them down and said, listen, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to have to be crucified, and I'm not going to be with you much longer. I'm going to go to be with the Father. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he said, it's better for you that the Holy Spirit comes. Now, that's, that's extremely interesting, because if any of us were taking a vote, and we could vote to have Jesus appear and walk with us bodily in our lives, we probably would vote for that. But Jesus himself, who knows better than we do, said, it's better for you that the Holy Spirit comes. Why would that be? Well, Jesus was is certainly all God, but he's also all man, which means he's limited in his human body. He can only be in one place at a time and, uh, as, as Jesus. Um, he's, he's, he's agreed to, he has incarnated himself, which means he's taken on certain, certain limitations as a man on earth, that is. So he would send the Holy Spirit to the disciples. Well, the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at one time. The Holy Spirit is not limited by a body. The Holy Spirit would empower the church, etc. So, it's important for us to recognize that Jesus himself said, I'm going to go be with the Father. I have to undergo crucifixion and resurrection and ascension, all those Christian words we use to mean his death, his burial, and then his going to the Father. But it's better for you that the Holy Spirit comes. The church uh, tends to accept that as happening for the, the apostles and the original disciples, but not for the whole of church history. And I think, I think that's a mistake. I don't think there's anything in the Bible that says the Holy Spirit does not continue. What's important for us as believers is that the Bible says in two places, and I'll give you the reference in just a moment, that we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's clearly what God intended. We are meant to love God and uh, access God, relate to God, approach God through Jesus, but by means and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're meant to live our lives in, in this world by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 2 and verse 1, uh, also Corinthians 13, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14, we're told that we could have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you what that word relationship means. In the Greek, it's the word koinonia. Uh, and some of you who are Christians, for, have been Christians for a while, will know that that word is often translated fellowship. But it really means to have in common. And so what the Holy Spirit desires with you is a relationship in which your life is shared in common with him. He wants to lead you. We'll talk about these words in future 15s. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to empower you. He wants to be Jesus in spirit form in your life. That's what the Christian life is meant to be. In fact, we're, we're told some pretty powerful things, like as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God.
Um, there are many strong statements like that that really indicate that the full-bodied Christian life can't really be lived apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not, I'm not speaking disparagingly of people who may not believe exactly what I'm saying right now, but I think it's clear in the pages of Scripture that we, were, we are meant to be born again. We receive a measure of the Holy Spirit when we're born again. There, there's, a, there's another endowment or, or, or baptism by the Holy Spirit that comes later. And that we're meant to live the Christian life by means of the Holy Spirit. Um, if we talk about being led, if we talk about having revelation, if we talk about being empowered or anointed, uh, if we believe in anything from miracles to to dreams, to, to the leading of the Holy Spirit, or the guidance of the Holy Spirit, or I, I felt like the Lord spoke through a certain scripture. That's all the Holy Spirit's doing. And so for those of you who aren't Christians yet, I want you to understand that, that Christianity is not just believing in some abstract truths about Jesus Christ. It's not just something that we affirm from a distance and then we spend the rest of our lives waiting for our death so we can go be with Jesus. That's not the way it is. The reality is you, you commit your life to Jesus Christ and then he lives in you and upon you and around you and with you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a wonderful and a transforming experience. The reality is we weren't meant to live this life alone. This life is a harsh and bruising and difficult thing. Uh, life in this world is, is not easy. It's not painless. It's not always smooth. And of course God knew that. And of course God didn't want to leave us. And so he gave us the Holy Spirit. And uh, for those of you who are believers, I think it's important for us to understand that the church did not even come into existence until the Holy Spirit came into the church. And when you see the Holy Spirit coming into the church, you start seeing lives transformed and, and God doing powerful things. And, you know, when the church prays in the first century, even the ground shakes. I mean, amazing things happen. So all we're trying to accomplish for this 15 is for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is God that the Holy Spirit is a person, and that the Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with us, wants to be near us, in us, leading us, guiding us, directing us, empowering the Christian life, empowering us to touch other lives. And I'm sorry that a lot of that has been sort of stolen from us through extremes, that, that we've identified the Holy Spirit with a certain branch of Christianity or, or identified the Spirit's leading with a certain style of ministry. The reality is this is, just, this is just the normal Christian life. This is what God wants to do. God wants to be near us. God wants to speak to us. God wants to speak through the scriptures. God wants to give us wisdom for the things we need to do every day. God wants to give you guidance and wisdom and empowering for raising your kids and doing your job and, and, and of course, being conformed to the image of Jesus, being a Christian and touching lives. God wants to help you and move through you and lead you and, of course, change you. And all of that, the Bible says, is the work of the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't mean we live in a constant trance. It doesn't mean we float six inches off the ground all the time. It simply means that Jesus lives in us by his Spirit and empowers us to live the life he's called us to live. It's a wonderful and transforming truth. It's a, it's a, it's a great freedom to know we're not alone and that we have a power beyond our own to live in this world. And that is your 15.